What's up everyone and welcome to episode 85 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where I, Tim Birkbeck, talk to people in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. Realise I just said that really quickly, but I say the same thing every week, so you probably know it by now. Uh, we're only 15 episodes away from the big 100. It's absolutely crazy to think when I started this that we'd, I know I keep saying this, but I'd even reach 50 episodes, so to n- nearly be nearing 100 is pretty, pretty nuts, and I've been toying with well not toying i've been putting feelers out for potential guests for for the big one double o um so yeah hopefully one of those pans out and we'll have a rad guest for episode 100 um but for now let's talk about the present uh how is everyone hope all is well in your worlds whatever you're doing right now whilst listening to this little podcast whilst we're mentioning it with episode 100 coming up if you like what you hear on this show if this is the first time you've ever listened to the show uh or if you're a regular listener hit the subscribe button on whatever sort of platform you're using to listen to this give us a rating give us a review it really helps um trying to do a lot more with this podcast and yeah the more people get it in their ear holes the better it is for me so yeah do a share, do a like, do a subscribe. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, relatively quiet week just gone past for the Justin Insight HQ. Um, yeah, so not a whole lot to report. And same again this week coming, really. I've got a, co- a couple of interviews lined up for, uh, j- for, for the podcast and for Already Heard features. Um, by the time this goes up, there might actually be an Already Heard feature... Uh, that I wrote with uh, Pine drummer Nick Watmore, um, obviously around their new record, which came out last Friday, which is fucking rad. If you haven't checked it out, uh, go on Spotify, Bandcamp, whatever. Check out Pine Loss. It's a beautiful album, absolutely beautiful. If you like your Doom post-rock sort of stuff, it's going to be right up your alley and more. So, yeah. Um, but, they, but, yeah, as always check out alreadyheard.com as well they do some got some fantastic writers over there uh doing really really cool stuff sorry went off on a bit of a tangent but yeah not a lot going on for me this week got a few interviews lined up uh, but at the weekend um i'm hopefully gonna go see my friends rope and modern rituals uh playing brighton on saturday so that's something to look forward to um so yeah as i'm not going to be boring you with my mundane week Let's get straight into some some news, and we've got some big announcements coming out of the world of music this week. Uh, first, we're going to start with Mastodon. Uh, the band have announced that they're going to be hitting the UK and Europe in January with uh, Cavell Attack and uh, Mutoid Man, which I'm so excited about because I still haven't seen Mutoid Man. Um, I know they are doing bigger venues, which will be a bit of a shame because I really wanted to see Mutoid Man in a smaller venue. But Beggars Can't Be Cheesers and Mutoid Man, Cavell Attack and Mastodon on one lineup is pretty fucking cool. So yeah, uh, they're hitting UK dates, uh, which are, I can't remember the exact dates, but the cities they're hitting are Southampton, Newcastle, Glasgow, Leeds, Birmingham, Norwich, London and Bristol. Um, I think it's quite funny they're bookending it with Southampton and Bristol because I'm probably going to end up going to both shows. So yeah, there's... That um, also on tour announcements, uh, Drug Church have announced that they're also going to be doing uh, a European and UK headline tour. 
Uh, they're in February, so they'll be passing through Birmingham, Leeds, Glasgow, Manchester, Leicester, and uh, Bristol, Southampton, and London. Uh, very beginning of February, so keep your eyes out for that one. Um, other things that have been coming out in the last week, uh, Rayburn Festival have announced the next sort of batch of bands that they'll, they'll be playing the festival next year, uh, including the announcement that Mono were going to be playing, uh, which is brilliant because I fucking love that band. Um, but the the really cool thing for, for many people that I'm friends with, close to, uh, is that Holy Raw Records are doing a collaborative uh, set. No, not set. They're doing something where they're involved. Uh, maybe a stage. Or I don't know how to describe it. But um, it means that a lot of the bands that are on Holy Raw are getting the opportunity to play Roadburn. So uh, my very good friend Svalbard are playing. Pine, who I just mentioned, uh, have a killer record out at the moment. Uh, previous podcast guests, Kundra, are playing it. Bosk are doing uh, Black Noir in full, which will be absolutely beautiful. Um, and there's many more sort of Holy Royal bands playing it as well. So, yeah, a nice little addition to, to Road Band this year. And as I mentioned, I'm hopefully going to be going th- this year as part of my 30th birthday celebration. So that's something to look forward to. Um, and finally, sticking along the, the festival lines, uh, Download Festival have announced uh, their first lot of bands that are playing it as well as their three headliners so the headliners are going to be Slipknot, uh, Def Leppard and Tool not too bad about Def Leppard but Slipknot and Tool, that is a banging announcement um, and who knows this could be my fi- my year finally going to Donington because those two bands alone are, are pretty pretty enticing but also announcing the likes of Rob Zombie, uh, Carcass and Diane Wood as well in that first little batch so yeah head Go to uh, downloadfestival.com, I'm assuming it is all the further information and other bands being announced are on there. Uh, Yeah, so 2019 is already shaping up to be pretty fucking cool. Right, let's get to our guest. And this week I am joined by Westwich bass player uh, Cassie Obeyu. Cassie, I hope I pronounced your surname right there. I did it when we met, when we did the chat. I hope I've done it right there, but yeah, uh, I actually met Cassie uh, not that long ago, actually, maybe four, five months, um, but we instantly just kind of hit it off, um, and kind of from hanging out with a, a fluff festival, I knew that she was someone that I wanted to get on the on the show, so obviously with me being in Bristol a lot, that's where she lives, perfect opportunity arose, uh, she was very kind to invite me around to her house, made me some breakfast breakfast brunch whatever it was it was fucking banging steve thank you as well um yeah we we sat down and got into it and she cassie really talks passionately about her love for for music and being involved in the world of alternative music and what it means to her uh we talk about how her old band fight rosa fight came to be uh, and how she ended up being in Worst Witch, the band which she is in now, um, and how her kind of playing style changed from from those two bands. Um, and we also talk about her being a person of colour in still what is predominantly a, a white music scene, unfortunately, but how she's kind of dealt with those kind of barriers and 
breaking them down and so on and so forth and things like that um yeah this is a really cool one uh, i love chatting to my like i love chatting to everyone on this show but when it's someone that i'm friends with it's even better because it means i get to pun intended here an insight into their life um so yeah i hope you enjoy the chat that i have with cassie uh and i will see everyone on the other side of worst wish oh, worst wish we can't talk <laughs> worst witch bassist Cassie obeying you I've got it yeah nailed it um, Cassie thank you for for doing this that's alright really appreciate it how's life in All general right. I've been pretty hung over this weekend yeah but yeah no good yeah things are good I think but yeah yeah so basically what I do is I kind of look back on how people got into sort of alternative music, what sort of divulged them into punk, and roll through to where we are now with obviously what you guys are doing. Worst witch. Wow. Worst witch. I didn't think it was a hard name no, to pronounce. No, but apparently I'm really struggling with it. But there we go. Um, so how I kind of like to start things off is what kind of got you into alternative music in the first place? God, how long have you got? Right? I mean, I've got to remember that this is yeah, you know, short and snappy podcast. No, you t- take as long as like I can go as long or as little as you want. So yeah, okay. Um. So I guess so. I'm like almost 31 and like I've been into alternative music for almost as long as I can remember yeah, it was yeah. like this switch of like when I was like 10 11 I was into like the Spice Girls and then <laughs> yeah. and then it was like this there was like no in between it was like all of a sudden the world of like basically like ska punk and new metal yeah like descended on my life I yeah, guess yeah yeah and I I don't know, like, I guess go. I went to secondary, I went to secondary school and was kind of just immersed in kind of lo- lots of other people who liked, like, alternative music, and I-, I guess it ties in with, like, the birth of kind of getting Sky in my house and <laughs> yeah. seeing MTV2 and Scuzz and yeah, Kerrang! Yeah. and, like, all those, those music channel, pro- like, TV um, channels. And, like, I guess I just... I wanted to like look like those people. Yeah, I yeah. wanted to like I loved the music. Something about like music, like bands with instruments yeah, is yeah, that yeah. totally different to like the Spice people Girls. Miming. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I just I thought it was awesome and I I really my passion for like very loud music yeah. <laughs> has been a consistent thing. And I <laughs> yeah. even when I was into like pop music, I'm still into pop music to be honest but but like I like playing music really loud yeah, yeah. and I think you know bands with like drums and bass like that kind of the volume of it all and the idea of it like melting your face off yeah, yeah. is been a consistent theme I guess so I guess I was into like yeah I kind of got into like the ska punk scene the ska punk scene where I'm from I grew up in Milton Keynes yeah like Cap Down one of the biggest oh, okay. like U- UK yeah, yeah. ska punk bands like were like uh, yeah, around and about the time that I was, I was young, yeah, movies. yeah, oh, the biggest thing to have around <laughs> Milkies, and um, I, I was very lucky. I lived around the corner from one of the kind of big venues in Milkies, oh, that's cool. kind of, um, which was like a part of a converted leisure centre that used oh, to nice. use for shows, which was really cool. Um, and then yeah, and yeah, so it was kind of like part ska punk, all those kind of like moon ska bands, 
and uh, and and then also like your classic Linkin Park and yeah, Biscuit, yeah. you know, yeah. So what kind of from there? What how did you sort of move on to? I guess not necessarily what you're sort of listening to sort of nowadays, but mm. kind of more on that sort of mm. side of things. Because I think every like, a lot of people sort of our age kind of have that similar sort of either they're through new metal or something like that, or their parents have brought them up listening to mm. Black Sabbath or something mm. like that. And then obviously kind of dive off and go their own way. Like for me, it was going off, discovering sort of New York hardcore bands, sort of like uh, Biohazard and sort of Madball and then sort mm. of extending from there. So what what was your kind of, I get the journey, journey of discovery. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I think I went softer before I went heavier. So okay. like I was into, yeah, like Scar and, and then that turned into new metal. Yeah. And, and that kind of thing. But then I got into like loads of like kind of older emo bands like like Sunny Day Real Estate and Rites of Spring and stuff like that when I was kind of in my later teens. Um, and then, uh, and like I was, I still am obsessed with Thursday. Like oh. I was obsessed with Thursday as a kid. And like I'm still, that was a really loud high five <laughs> for, for the listeners. Um, and I fucking love that band. And um and like I'm wearing my Alexis on Fire long sleeve right now, and like Alexis on Fire has been, always been like a really important band to me, and I think they're probably one of the bands that got me into like more kind of like screamy vocals, yeah, like, as I well think, as like Thursday. I was gonna say and Thursday on Fire. were very much for me. Yeah. Like, it's obviously like Full Collapse. That was mm. kind of that in for me sort mm, of thing as well. Mm, so yeah, yeah. So it, yeah, that band is just incredible, and I think yeah, kind of kind of bands like that and and I you know I've always been quite eclectic in my music taste like I was still kind of listening to a bit of pop punk every now and then yeah. so it's like fun and um but then yeah I just got into kind of like much heavier music but I still like you know I still listen to a lot of Jimmy Wild just you know <laughs> yeah. how can you not yeah, like yeah. you know everyone loves Pete American um but I guess as a as a parallel to that I was also listening to like you know, a lot of Alexis on Fire and a lot of other kind of... I'm trying to think, what what was I listening to at that time? Just, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what was on... What was on Scott? Like, a lot of <laughs> <Yeah>. Static X. <laughs> and oh, just, like, oh, really, bad. like... Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and stuff like that. That, I don't know, just anything that was, like... Had a... Just something you could mosh to, basically. Yeah, yeah. Just anything like that I just really really loved and and then yeah I think absolutely like um I think like obviously our whole generation was like changed by the internet yeah like yeah. so you know I remember what it was like to not have the internet yeah 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 um and weirdly one of my friends said to me the other day like oh my god are we like the last generation who remembers what it's like to not have the internet Oh yeah, we like yeah, people after us would have had the internet yeah, yeah, course, from yeah. memory. Like, how weird is that? Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, but I remember like having access to like music forums and yeah, stuff like yeah. that online. And like, um, uh, I was a big fan of Live Journal as a teen. Yeah. So like, there were lots of like music, uh, music forums and stuff on Live Journal and and stuff like that. And I think I found a lot of, you know, people would post like LimeWire links yeah, and things yeah. like that or Napster links and yeah. stuff. Um, and I just like found loads and loads of music through that. Um, and I just latched onto it really. I think like music's always just been such a, 
big part of my life yeah. and my parents are both huge music fans but my my like my dad um was like into punk in the 70s so I, I find it really interesting that like, he's a you know he's a f- kind of first generation immigrant yeah. like black man who was kind of really into punk and both um both my parents very much into like motown and stuff okay and that's cool so music was always you know in in my house yeah always always on like you know you're doing the cleaning you've got, you've got like, <laughs> yeah. music, music on really loud um but yeah I think I found yeah I just found like music through the internet and kind of was discovering bands like AFI and yeah. that kind of that kind of stuff and I think I guess thinking about what I'm into now all the kind of a lot of American bands that I wouldn't have found before like it's interesting because especially when I first went vegan finding a lot of like vegan hardcore bands yeah yeah um especially like bands like gather and like i don't know like punch and yeah and stuff like that that you know and, and like torso and stuff yeah, like that yeah. that i guess maybe i came to a bit later than other people i don't know but yeah i just got into that kind of stuff and then i think being at uni as well i met a lot of people with like a lot of different like but like tastes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. One of my housemates is like the biggest minus the bear fan okay. of all time, and I had I had no idea who they were. Yeah, yeah. And he put all this music on my laptop. I was like, what <laughs> the fuck is this shit? Like, I was like, you know, blaring out Parkway Drive in in my hall's bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and he was just like, why are you listening to all this stuff? It's giving me a headache. Like, listen to some minus the bear, and I was just like, fuck. Yeah. This band are incredible, and like they're amazing. And I guess there are always there have always been like some long standing bands. I can't believe I haven't mentioned Deftones yet. Like they're <laughs> such a like formative band for me. Like yeah, like Def Deftones and like Alexis on Fire probably the bands that like really yeah shaped my because I think Def Def like Deftones and Thursday like super I don't know like. I, I, this sounds really hierarchical, but they're like a really intelligent bands, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Like, I don't know, the way they go about stuff and just Deftones are just amazing. Yeah. Um, you mentioned obviously going from Milton Keynes. So what was it, was it like kind of your first sort of exposure going into live music as well? Like, mm. and what was this? Because mm. obviously for people that don't know, it's a relatively new city. Yes, yeah, just had its still. 50th anniversary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really weird. So what was kind of the, the scene like for mm. you growing up, like going to shows as well? I think we were really lucky. I think um, there were kind of lots of um, people in the kind of like couple of years above me at school who were in bands and putting on shows. Mm. And they, they were like in all these like weird noise bands that really like, I didn't, care that much about the music but actually the community and the atmosphere and watching live music that's what I liked that's what I was interested in so you know we were quite lucky that some of my friends their older siblings were kind of doing all that kind of thing so we were quite lucky and there were there are a couple of venues that kind of like closed down just before I hit 18 so that was a bit of a bummer but um, the best venue, which is has now gone, was called the Pits, and that was that <laughs> was name. Pits with the, with a Z, and um, that was yeah the hall of a leisure centre that was okay. attached to a secondary school, and that was like around the corner. That sounds really bizarre. Yeah, like it was around the corner from my um, 
from from my house and uh that's where he put on all the shows yeah. like that's where all the kind of bigger shows were okay. actually you mentioned devil sold his soul earlier like i yeah. saw devil sold his soul at that oh, venue okay, cool. um all the kind of scar bands came through there mainly i guess because of because of cap down but yeah. like four foot fingers and um oh god who else who else was on moon sky like fast yeah uh and all those kind of all those kind of bands, which was like super fun. Um, but we had like um, there was quite a good like noise scene. There's a there's a band that's still going who were a couple of years above me in school called Action Beat, and they moved. They like quite a few of them moved out to Germany because they got really big in Germany. Oh wow! Like random, like you know, no one really knew who they were. But yeah, yeah. They they toured Europe all the time because they just got pretty big got, yeah, on the they... continent basically. Weird. And uh, yeah, so and they're like still going, which is That's awesome. Cool. Like, however many years later, like yeah, fifteen yeah, yeah. years later, um, but yeah, I think it was it was like the community that drew me. Other than like being able to go and listen to good, good music, yeah. like I think it's similar now. Like, if you think about it with our group of friends, we all have this like absolute passion and love for music and we yeah. all respect each other's like likes and dislikes yeah, and yeah. you know we all take recommendations off each other and I think that's you know my friends used to be like oh I'm gonna go to see this band and I'll be like who the fuck are they like, <laughs> yeah. I have no idea who that is but I'll go anyway because yeah. I know it's gonna be fun and you know you could drink underage outside and, and all that kind of thing <laughs> yeah. and and also like I loved I loved the the look of it all like I wanted to be a punk at the end of the day yeah, like yeah. I wanted to go and like you know, have my brightly coloured hair and loads of really brightly coloured bracelets all the way up to my elbow <laughs> and, you know, my DMs and stuff like that. And, you know, got a purple mohawk and stuff. And Brilliant. I think, like, you know, I was, like, one of the only black kids like yeah. in, into this stuff. And it was w- kind of weird sometimes. But there was this camaraderie, I guess. Yeah. Well, I was going to bring that up later, but <laughs> since you brought it out now, like, was it difficult for you? Because I think even now, like there's not that many people of colour in mm, punk music or yeah. and not necessarily just playing music, but just going to shows. There's still mm. quite a rarity. So was it like a strange situation for you kind of going into it? And was there ever any sort of pushback or anything? Mm. And is there still? Because obviously yeah. I can't speak yeah. to white male or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was... I, I guess um and having spoken to other people of color in like the punk scene who I've met through like being in bands and stuff a lot of us have really similar experiences where you know I got accused of trying to be white like countless start- times because obviously like white people have the monopoly on like yeah, alternative yeah. culture so it was kind of like you know why don't you just like be black and like no be into hip hop or whatever it is that, that people align. You know, I lo- I know loads of white people who are into hip hop. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, it's like black people don't have the monopoly on that either. So it's like, yeah, I just I yeah. So there were some like difficult times, definite like racist incidents. Yeah, lots of people kind of saying, "Why are you trying to be white? Yeah. Like, uh, trying to be a punk or whatever." And I find that strange because to me alternative culture was always about an alternative to the norm that yeah, yeah. welcomed anyone regardless of where you were coming yeah. from or, or whatever and it well, was actually... it pictures itself as this whole inclusivity yeah sort of yeah which it? i think you know a lot of the times we like to fool ourselves that we're like super inclusive mm. and actually there's still a big challenge there and i think yeah i still go to a lot of shows and i'm the only person of color in the yeah. room and i think 
what I always try and remember is that like there are like kids of colour out there, there are punks of colour out there who are maybe not going to shows because they don't feel welcome or they don't, they kind of feel like they'll be uncomfortable or whatever yeah. and sitting in their bedrooms listening to music and not being able to access that. And I that always makes me really sad because like I've definitely been that kid just yeah, like yeah. in my room, you know, listening to whatever and like wanting to kind of have that community. And I think I was just lucky that my whole group at school were just like a bunch of metalheads yeah. and, like, and punks and stuff that I could go along with. But if I didn't have that, how alone I would have yeah, felt. Yeah. Um, and even like, you know, when I was in sick form, uh, like my first boyfriend was like a white guy and there was this black guy in our sick form who used to be like, why are you with this white guy? Like, no, why, why are you like trying to fit in with all the white people? And I was like, A, like, I like this dude. Yeah, yeah. B, <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be anything. Like, I'm just, just being, being yeah, I'm just yeah. being myself. And I've, like, I, you know, I still pretty much wear what I was wearing when I was, oh, like, yeah, yeah. 16. Like, van t-shirts and jeans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I literally haven't really changed that much. No, but, I but, haven't yeah. either. My hair's growing. I've got yeah, sashes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. No. And I think we all have a lot of reflections about situations from when we were younger. Like, none of us were born, like, you know, incredible feminists or whatever and I look back on some of those times and there were definitely some really dodgy dudes that we were hanging out with definitely a lot of bands who were inviting underage girls backstage and like lots of that kind of thing and um you know we look back on that stuff now and know that that's not okay and and yeah and I think you know a lot of the time I was not only the only person of color at the show but like only girl in the pit kind of thing and you know I always loved kind of getting involved and stuff at shows and I think yeah it was often kind of like a what's this brown girl doing <laughs> like elbowing dudes in the hair <laughs> well as I've seen karate chops as well so yeah. clearly, clearly made for that sort of stuff uh, um, but in terms of kind of you actually playing music hmm. obviously play bass in Westwich yeah. and have played bass in other bands as well so was that always the instrument of choice or did you kind of experiment with other things before? But like, how yeah. did you kind of fall into I had a, I got an acoustic guitar when I was like 13 for Christmas and I like begged my mum for it. And I got this acoustic guitar and I probably played it and like learnt some things for probably like six to eight months. Yeah. And then I just gave up because I was just <laughs> like, couldn't be bothered. I was like, this is hard. I can't be asked. And um, I had played cello at school, actually. Oh, wow, okay. I had played cello. One massive regret is that I didn't, didn't bring cello. It, yeah. Imagine all the amazing crust bands I could yeah, be in right yeah, now. Yeah. Like, all the amazing, beautiful Evo crust bands that I could be in right now. <laughs> Devastating. Um, but yeah, I, again, couldn't be bothered to carry the damn thing. Yeah, I can um, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then I gave, kind of gave up acoustic guitar. And I think, yeah, it was a long time until I picked up an instrument. And I basically was like... I got really bored of trying to learn guitar. Maybe if I pick up bass, yeah. 24 strings, like, let's, let's give that a go. And I think I really um, was just encouraged by, like, like my partner at the time and um, my friends and stuff and who knew that I kind of wanted to start a punk band. Yeah. And, um, and they were like, get, get it going. Like, yeah, what, yeah. stop talking about it and just do it. Yeah. And I think... 
also like I was kind of doing a lot of like feminist activism and I had a lot of rage that I wanted to like <laughs> put into into music yeah and, um yeah and I, I mean I absolutely love playing bass now like I really I really love it and I wish I'd picked it up sooner. Yeah. But, I mean, I was um I was in a Jimmy Eat World cover band when, nice. I, was, when I was like 15. Um, I sang in a Jimmy Eat World cover band. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of like punk bands. Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't until I was like 25. Okay. I want to say I was like 25 when I started Fight Raise a Fight, like a um, right girl band that I was yeah. in. Um, for yeah, and I was in that band for like four years. So yeah, it must have been when I was when I was about twenty five. So had you done any bands apart from the Jimmy Eat World? Yeah, band? no, 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 no. And I'd never played bass in a band. Like I, yeah, that was that was the first like I would say like proper band yeah. that I'd started. Like I had some like little muck arounds with with friends and stuff at school and and the Jimmy Eat World cover band. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, other than that, like. Yeah, it was the first the first proper band that I started, and then yeah, that was amazing because we ended up playing a lot of shows and touring yeah. and stuff like that. And I think when I started it, all of us had no we had no expectations. Yeah, like I was just like I'm just in this funny, right girl band. Well, that's screaming at people. That's what because obviously, people will know you for Fight Rose Fight because mm. obviously we've as you say for four years mm. sort of thing. So how did that band come about? Was it because were you at uni here? In, I was at, in Gloucestershire, Gloucestershire right. yeah. So yeah, was yeah. it forms there, or was it? No, so um, I'd already graduated, but I was still living there, and uh, I basically I met Lindsay, our guitarist and other vocalist, um, at a like feminist meetup oh, uh, okay. in Cheltenham. So there'd been a large spate of sexual assaults um, uh, in Cheltenham yeah. during this time, and so. Th- kind of lots of kind of chat on the internet about like community action, like we need to pull together as a community and like do some stuff and there were there I'd started like a feminist group and there were a couple of things going on activist groups and stuff so we decided to all pull together and like pull resources to like build a campaign and and stuff so yeah we we kind of held this meeting in a pub and um (laughs) and yeah and, and Lindsay came along and I'd never met her before um we ended up sitting next to each other. We ended up realizing we loved loads of the same music and like loads of um, like loved loads of right girl music. And I guess that's one thing I haven't mentioned. Is like, uh, yeah, my kind of love for early nineties yeah, right yeah. girl, which I just think you know, and especially a lot of people don't realize like how much it grew in the UK as well. Like, yeah. kind of came over from America and so many UK kind of right girl bands came about but yeah so we kind of ended up chatting and I was like oh do you know what I'm, I'm thinking I've been playing bass like I kind of am thinking about starting a right girl band and she was like no fucking way <laughs> like I've just like picked up guitar like she's um classically cra- trained jazz singer oh wow um amazing pianist and but she was like I've done loads of, she's a jazz she's a music teacher as well she's a singing teacher right okay and she was just like, I just want to be in a punk band. Like she's yeah. been in like function bands forever. She's got an amazing voice. Um, she was just like, I want to be in a punk band. I need to let loose and stop singing jazz for yeah, a bit. Yeah. Um, and she was like, I'd be so up for that. I know a really good drummer. And so she introduced me to her friend Emily, who's a drum teacher. And th- those two have been in bands and stuff together right. previously. So yeah, and we just all hit it off straight away. And like, yeah, just were 
so I feel so fortunate to have been in that band and you know it's sad that it needed to end it was just came to a natural end yeah, I yeah. think and I moved to Bristol and so it was just and there you know we're all really busy so yeah. it's just made it hard to practice and stuff but that honestly being in that band like you know I built so much confidence through being in that band it was kind of like we were really shit in the beginning <laughs> like and I think we, which what band's not yeah like. exactly we were so shit but we had something to say like yeah, yeah. why the fuck shouldn't we get up there and like you know be angry about sexual assault and be angry about transphobia and all these things that we're still really angry about um you know we just i wanted to write songs about that and, yeah and shout and shout so and it's you know i kind of come on leaps and bounds i hope with my best playing like <laughs> i hope no one watches me and's like oh, she's, she's still, still shit. yeah she's still really <laughs> shit please don't tell me that um i think i've i think i've come on and i think like that was one of the things that like not that we thought we would be like you know we're so inspiring oh yeah, my god yeah. like not in that way but you know we i think that more kind of more women not more trans people more non-binary people starting bands is always a fantastic thing and yeah, if, yeah and if by me or any of us being on stage like helps people to think like they're pretty shit and they're still getting up there yeah, and doing yeah. it so that means i can do it yeah and, you know i i would we had some amazing moments of you know quite like young women being like i've like i've seen you and i want to start a band now yeah, and we were like, yeah. Yay. and you know that's always a really amazing thing. I love that band. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to go backtrack a little bit. So obviously you were saying you were kind of doing sort of like feminist sort of stuff. You mm-hmm. sort of started the group at this sort of time. So when were you kind of becoming, I guess, politically aware is kind mm-hmm. of the best thing to sort of say. And that you could use, obviously prior to Fight Rose of Fight, you weren't necessarily doing it on a stage but that music could be used mm. as a vehicle to get a political message out there when do you would you say you kind of started sort of wanting to put those values into what you yeah like, not just music you were playing but music you were listening to as well because as you said yeah. about the whole sort of riot girls sort of movement as well yeah i think i've always been into bands like with a message like once you get past like early teens of just being in Scarpunk and just like yeah either like emo that's just like I'm sad my girlfriend dumped me which is so fucking boring um (laughs) like I realized that that's why I never was really past the first Newfound Glory album which is still great like when you move past first Newfound Glory album it's all just like yeah yeah my girlfriend dumped me or like that girl's a bitch like you know and actually I never was like hugely into it um, I did. I used to love Four Year Strong though. I got really into yeah. Four Year Strong at some point. Um, it was a phase. Um, <laughs> um, no, I think I've always been into bands that have something to say or like, like meaningful lyrics. Mm. Always, like I, I always remember. You know when you used to go to like Woolworths or like uh, HMV or whatever, yeah, yeah. buy a CD. I always used to sit down and study the lyric the lyrics, lyric yeah, sheet yeah, yeah. or the lyric booklet. Like and I, I used to hate it when bands used to put out CDs without the without yeah, the lyrics yeah. in the thing because it's like how am I supposed to sing along if you don't do that? <laughs> so I think um, 
Yeah, I mean, I uh, so my nickname at school was Offspring Girl because nice. I turned up the first few weeks of secondary school in an Offspring hoodie and uh, my my bag had Offspring patches right. over it. And actually, like if you like listen to a lot of Offspring songs, like a lot of them are like really political, like mm. they're you know a lot about like working class, like young people's lives yeah. and like um, you know addiction and like all yeah. those kinds of things that's and the thing everyone just sort of assumes they're a kind of yeah. a jokey fun yeah band. and actually a lot of their shit is really depressing yeah. um so i think like you know expressing emotion political views like i i guess like that's what gets me really hyped about bands mm. and that's i i still feel like yeah. like that um and especially as i was kind of like understanding feminism like i've always had this kind of like um you know social justice warrior thing like in my mind even as a little kid like um and like, I think back like my mum broke some kid's nose not not as an adult like when she was at school yeah. my mum broke a kid's nose because uh, he looked up her skirt Fucking and hell. like which I think Fair is play. so rad and like I think about stuff like that when I was younger and I used to like try and stand up for people or stand up for myself even though i didn't know that i was a feminist i didn't yeah, know yeah. what that word meant but when i think about it actually that stuff like yeah, yeah, between yeah. right and wrong is sort of yeah is really important to me and i think that carries through in music and i remember like you know listening to anti-flag and they're yeah. like screaming about george bush or whatever and just being like you know that shit's really important maybe i'm forming my views about what this means but i do know it's important yeah and like absolutely like right girl music um and you know every you know everyone who's into right girl will probably talk about kathleen hannah and <laughs> yeah. girl, like it's a really standard thing but you know and like i you know i love like sleet kinney and bratmobile and and stuff like that and i think you know that's got all got a really strong message mm. and um i think we can use music as like a real force force for good. Yeah. Um, and you know, we were both at Fluff and that's, you know, Fluff Fest is such a like political space. Yeah, yeah. And a really, really like inclusive and like feminist space. Um, and you know, most of the bands we saw that weekend, like a lot of, uh, there were a lot of women on stage. Oh a yeah, lot, yeah, yeah. So many, it was like so noticeable. And there, you know, a lot of them will talk about, you know, issues around gender mm. and, and that kind of thing. So, I just, I don't know, when was I, when was I aware that, like, that you could use music? I guess, like, probably, like, my mid to late teens, yeah. maybe, late teens. Because um, I, I, and I get, in terms of being politically, politically active, though, I guess, at uni was when I first yeah. started kind of, like, getting involved in activism. Although I was, I was going out and um, doing, like, Hunt Saboteur stuff just okay. before, just before, before I went to uni. Um, so I guess animal activism was my entry yeah, into, yeah. into like activism rather than like feminism probably came second. Mm. Um, but yeah, when I was, when I was at uni, I kind of was really involved in like, you know, I, um, I kind of was one of the people who set up the feminist society and kind of got involved in my student union quite a lot. So yeah. And I guess then there was always kind of music in the, in the background, yeah. just kind of, um, yeah, and like putting on shows and stuff like that. Yeah. And in terms of kind of Fight Rose of Fight, with obviously all three of you being feminist women mm. wanting to sort of deliver that message, I think obviously now the 
landscape is very different. As you say, like at Fluff, there was, I think, pretty much every other band had a had a mm, woman in it mm. in some. The capacity. first four bands I saw all had women. Yeah, at least exactly. One. So, was it sort of daunting for you in those early stages, especially kind of as you say, your first kind of proper band to, mm. to kind of be like right, even though sort of the Riot Girls have been going years prior people mm. were sort of aware of it like there's still maybe not as much education sort of mm. thing even now so for three women to get on stage and say like right we're going to be in your face this is what we want to do was it sort of a bit of trepidation to start with mm. and what was kind of the initial sort of feedback that you started getting apart from people yeah. thinking maybe you weren't very good at your instrument. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I think that was definitely one of the things I was worried about because that happens all the time like you know women get slated for being like not a very good guitarist or whatever yeah. but like you got all these dudes like all these dude bands who are terrible but they get praised for being like oh my god that's so meaningful music and it's just like <laughs> mate they're dog shit like literally they're so shit but uh, yeah I think um we we came around like there was this weird about like five or six years ago probably like yeah like six six ish years ago five five years ago um there there was it there was like this weird almost like rebirth of riot girl yeah well, and like I, we, kind of, I kind of had this conversation when i spoke to ren the other yeah day yeah so we um fight Rose of fight and petrol girls started a re at a really similar time yeah um they probably came like just before us and then we started and then you had bands like big Joni and um who else kind of like good throb and um like and then Dirty Girl came like a couple of years later and so we were all kind of playing lots of shows together. Yeah. Um like, you know, we we um played Aspy Castle with Petro Girls like a few times and um and actually like there was this not that I'm suggesting we were part of like the reason the rebirth of of Right Girl, but we came we came around right at that time and I think we were so lucky in a lot of ways to like immediately find this community. Yeah. There was all of a sudden this kind of burst of feminist activism, like or heightened feminist activism mm. in DIY. And um lots and lots of women starting to like get involved and do stuff and really put the pressure on yeah and i think we rode that wave definitely um and we were we were lucky to do that but i think we you know we had something to say and we weren't going to let anyone kind of stop us from saying that and yeah we played a lot of all-male lineups we played some weird fucking shows where <laughs> yeah. like we would turn up and people would be like what the fuck is this yeah. why is she screaming about rape like what this is you know we made a lot of men feel yeah, very yeah. uncomfortable but i'm fine with it um <laughs> uh and yeah and we definitely initial feedback i mean i think the first few shows we put on like our friends were putting on and obviously yeah, yeah. they were nice they were like yeah. oh that was really good well done and you know <laughs> very good but i think by the time like by the time i like first EP had come out and and we kind of had found our sound a bit more and our, so our songwriting was just better yeah um you know we'd found our groove a little bit and we like we never expected to do anything like yeah. really we just wanted to be in a band and have fun we never expected to get to play the amount of shows and get you know asked to do lots of things and go on tour and like mm. that kind of thing um and we got to do that and I think 
I'm really looking back. I'm I'm so proud of what we did, um, and I think you know I like it's so nice. Like I still get people being like, oh, I missed seeing photos of fire. Yeah. And, like uh, I was at a gig a while back and someone was wearing a fight as a fight t-shirt oh, really? and it was that's like cool. really nice and that's you know I thought people would have put those in the bin by now <laughs> um, but yeah it's just that's a really really nice thing and I think interestingly like our drummer Emily there's no way she would have called herself a feminist when we started yeah. she just wanted to play drums in a band and she didn't really care what, what it was being, yeah. yeah she didn't really care about the message and I think uh, we all learned a lot through being in that band but particularly for Emily like she wasn't necessarily like um kind of really aware of like the queer punk scene or the mm. feminist punk scene um and she got to experience all that too mm. and we did a lot of growing I think together um and maybe now, like if you asked her, maybe she would, she probably would just say that, yeah, she probably is a feminist yeah, or yeah. It, it agrees with feminist it's values. Ideas, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Um, whereas maybe she wouldn't in the first place. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, we played some weird shows being heckled. I remember one show that we played at some weird pub in Gloucester, which actually wasn't that far from the end um, of Fight Is a Fight. Right, okay. Um, and... I mean, we got heckled quite a lot because I was sing- singing this song about like abusive relationships and I was like talking about the song and this guy was like, women can be abusive too. Why are you always moaning about men? Why are you mean to men? Why do you hate men? And I literally was like the biggest eye roll in the world <laughs> and try was trying to like, you know, you can't necessarily engage with people. No, like no. But then I remember packing up at the end and this weird guy came over, like I was packing up all my stuff and he just came up behind me and started rubbing my back. Like really, like who does that? It's really no, weird. Yeah. And he was like, that was really good. Like rubbing my back. And I was like, ew, get off me. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was like, yeah, thanks. Like, thanks for watching, whatever. And I was packing up my gear and he was like, are you strong enough to carry all that? Oh, like, no. And I literally was like, well, I got it all in here by yeah, myself. Yeah. Like, I think I'll be fine. And it was just the creepiest yeah. shit ever. So, like, you know, we did get stuff like that. Yeah. You know, um, there's this weird thing in Right Girl where a lot of fans of Right Girl bands are, like, much, much, much older men who remember Riot Girl first time first round. Time round. So they're really excited about this like rebirth, which is amazing. Yeah. But some of them are a little bit obsessive. Um and I know like other bands have like had this as well. Like like the Tuts have some really weird old man fans. Um Colour Me Wednesday have kind of weird old yeah, man I've, fans. I've seen stuff. like videos from Colour Me Wednesday stuff. And yeah. It's weird because they're not as sort of Punk as no, they're not think? like riot girly, no. really. They're definitely feminists. Oh yeah, yeah. And polit- definitely political, but they're not kind of like shouty riot girl. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, I mean, a lot of those dudes were really nice. Also, a lot of them are pretty creepy. <laughs> and in terms of kind of obviously going out on tour, obviously that was would have been your, your sort of first experience mm-hmm. as well. So I always find it like my first experience of touring wasn't even with me in a band. It was driving another mm. band on tour um so i'm always interested to kind of find first, people's first experiences sort of thing of what, what they kind of what they loved about it what they sort of hated about it so was it obviously again can't speak being a white man but like three girls going off sort of was it as you say like throughout the experience you'd like learned and grew together mm. but that first sort of time going out on the road was it kind of because you're in such an enclosed space for such as short period of time 
like was it getting to know each other even like quicker like how was that kind of yeah I think we all got to know each other really well on that first tour and our first tour was with um the ethical debating society i don't know if you know them but they, they were they were another like that's an awesome right name, yeah <laughs> they, they were like another right girly band that kind of came through similar time to us and um and we we toured with them and uh yeah i think i was nervous but I just think I, I love touring. Like yeah. I love from that first tour, I just love touring. And yeah, okay, it can be stressful. Yeah, okay, you can get on each other's nerves. But ultimately, you get to play music that you love every single night. Mm. And it's like well, you'll know. It's like a, it's like you're in this different world. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. You're just completely removed from real life for however long yeah. it is. And I yeah, I absolutely love touring. And like yeah, it was um. I went we went to some cities that I'd never been to before or like that we'd never played in before which was a really exciting thing like I absolutely loved that like we played this show in Middlesbrough like on a a working men's club uh in the middle of a like uh industrial estate in Middlesbrough and that tour taught me a lot about like um like you said about kind of the punk community and like left-wing movements like to think that they're non-judgmental and yeah, really yeah. inclusive and actually we turned up at this show and it wasn't because it was in a working men's club but we turned up at this show and there were loads and loads of crust punks like right. local crust punks who had just turned up and the the opening band was like a local kind of really like kind of heavy crust punk um like kind of like street punk i guess yeah. like street punk band and we were like we're gonna get eaten alive like we're literally going to be murdered in the yeah, yeah. right now and there were no other brown people there at all um and we were like we're gonna get devoured <laughs> by these street punks and um but and we were like maybe they'll just watch the opening band and then they'll go and actually it turned out to be the best show of tour because oh, okay. they like a lot of the stuff that we were doing like never came to Middlesbrough yeah, like, yeah. so people just came out for if there was going to be a punk show they, the they punks went, come out yeah. and um, they were we probably sold the most merch that we oh, sold wow, on that awesome. night and we totally were judgy like yeah, we yeah. Would, when we when all these people turned up we were just like oh god they're gonna hate us and they're gonna throw stuff at us and actually it was the complete opposite yeah and it was probably the best show and we made a decision that it was kind of like fight or flight it was like we either just bring it and go hard. And I remember like we got on stage and I was like, I'm just going to be the most raucous ever (laughs) and scream as loud as I can. I like took my shirt off and I was just like, they're going to see this like fat brown woman who's like topless screaming about rape. Like that's what's going to happen. And it just worked. That's awesome. I think that was the first mosh pit we ever had as well. Brilliant. And that was really good. But yeah, I think like, yeah, I love, I love touring. I really want to, if anyone's listening to this and wants to contribute to a zine about like, women and trans and non-binary people's experiences of touring i'd really like to do a zine on, That'd be cool. on that and um, that would be fun but yeah i love touring um before we get on to Westwich, i do want to quickly touch upon obviously the activism a little bit more because obviously i think more so well obviously i've only known you for the last sort of year or whatever mm. but obviously you're still very much involved in that and obviously it's a, a huge part of, of who you are sort mm. of thing. So how have you kind of seen, I guess, change effective since you sort of started kind of back in sort of uni days mm. to, to now? Because obviously 
there's a lot more people that are willing to speak up and obviously have a voice, whether it be in a feminist role or an anti-fascist mm. role or sort of animal protection, whatever it is. Um, but obviously, as I said earlier, there's still a lot more to be done. But have you seen, because you're a lot more involved than I am, mm. obviously there's a lot more that I could do personally, but have you seen change be affected or is it still like fighting against the brick wall? Mm, I think there's still a lot to do, but I definitely, there's definitely been a change in the tide in the last like 10 years, mm. I would say. And like both in, like, in society generally, I think, but also in kind of punk communities. And I think people are much more willing to like call out shitty behaviour and like, you know, get, kick, kick those people out of their spaces. Yeah. And I think there's a lot more consideration or it feels like to me anyway there's a lot more consideration to to kind of making safe spaces and you know I, I, I it's really weird because um the complete contrast to this is Worst Witch played a, a show in London last weekend yeah which was put on by Carnival Punks and it was a free community show in a skate park yeah 15 year old me was like you're playing a show in a I skate s- park I saw like videos oh my god like it yeah, yeah. it was it was really cool in the sense that like you know it was complete lots of cross section of the community and stuff but you know we had really violent mosh pit during our during our set and I love that people can dance and get involved and I love that but those people had zero consideration for yeah. the other people around them you know people were like getting smacked down onto the concrete like people could have got really hurt there was some guy who was like grabbing his genitals while oh, wow. he was rolling around on the floor like in front of me like I was just like this is so fucking gross yeah so I think on one hand I have played and gone to some amazing shows that feel super safe and like no one's saying you can't have a good time. Like no yeah, one's yeah, saying like, I love a little mosh. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> there, but there's no reason for me to like throw myself in a, around in a way that completely disregards someone else's safety yeah. and being mindful that not everyone wants to do that. And that's what was really lacking yeah. at that show in London last weekend. And like, I'd, so I think like, there are a lot more venues that are getting on board with like trying to make like having a, a zero tolerance stance yeah, to yeah. like you know homophobic behavior or uh, you know abusive behavior or whatever it is um and i think you know especially in bristol places like the exchange you know they're totally on board with that places like hydra yeah and so when that happens more people are drawn to being like okay maybe i can put on a show yeah, yeah. and i think there's definitely like it's really, this is going to sound really patronising, but there's a lot kind of, a lot of young people starting to come to a lot of the things that me or people that I know put on. And um, I guess what's been encouraging is that now being in a hardcore band and putting on heavier shows, um, there's this really nice like cross section of the punk community that, yeah. that come along. And I'm always like a bit nervous, either that no one's going to come or be that like, you know, lots of street punks will come and hurt everyone. Yeah, and like yeah. that's not that's obviously not um that sounds like a really generalised thing, like not all those yeah, people yeah, yeah. are violent, but there's always that kind of that that worry because that's kind of not the show I want to play either. Um and yeah, I mean like when I put on e uh, on unease a couple of months ago and it was just so like you know, it was rammed for a Tuesday yeah, night yeah. and and everyone was super respectful and nice and so I definitely feel like there's there's definitely been a change in the tide and and people are 
just seem to be more respectful. And I don't know if it's like, it must be an education thing that we have so much access to mm. information and education. Like there's no excuse not to educate yeah, yourself yeah. on these issues. And like, it's, it's really, you know, it's really hard. And you have to remember that like, not, not every, you know, none of us are born like, you know, amazing feminists. We've all done, <laughs> yeah. we've all done and said shitty yeah. stuff. Like, and I think recognizing that, um, but I think there's a lot going on of people like recognizing their privilege. Like, um, me and me and um, Bridget talk about this a lot that like um, we also have to recognize that yes we're we're women in the punk scene mm. we also have like levels of power yeah. like we've both been in bands that people have like known about in the scene we've both put on shows both like you know done workshops and, and that kind of thing and like people sometimes look to us to have an opinion about mm. stuff and and we get we like you know maybe sometimes a bit more than other women in the scene we get listened to yeah that is a level of power and that's a that is a privileged position yeah. to have and i think we all have to recognize our privilege whatever that looks mm. like so i think um i think it's, it's an exciting time there's still lots to do i think we we need to do more to like one of the things that I think we should really start doing more is diversifying lineups in terms yeah. of, in terms of genre because that brings different people through the door. Yeah. And some of the best shows I've ever been to have been like diverse lineups. Yeah. Like you know I'll be going to like see some hardcore band and there'll be like a grime rapper opening yeah, yeah. and it's just like the so good because it gives me access to stuff that I would never yeah. listen to and I think that's just really exciting. That was like. Uh, a couple of weekends ago I went to Upsurge mm. Festival in London mm. and obviously 70% of the bands on that are all mosh core yeah. crowd kill style bands <laughs> which I love like musically yeah. but um, on one of the days I can't remember which it was but just bang in the middle of the day there was a guy called Denzel himself and it was just like a spoken word rapper Amazing. and it was like a really nice sort of yeah. palate cleanser from like all the sort of yeah wall to wall yeah yeah yeah. between so yeah i agree like that sort of stuff does need to to happen a bit more Mm. um right we'll get on to to worst (laughs) witch so how did that band form and first liam if you listen i'm really sorry but i don't know much about liam's background obviously i've known fifi for years alex's background speaks for itself yeah obviously fight rise of fight so how did the four of you kind of come to join so i wasn't in the band like they were they were a band before me right before i came along so um alex alistair or fifi as you call you call alistair um and liam and uh, a guy they also knew called kepper started worst witch that that was that and then kepper uh was moving back to spain because he's from spain so he was playing guitar liam was originally playing bass right okay and um anyway he kept her moved back to Spain and they didn't, the other three didn't want to stop the yeah, band. Yeah. I only knew Liam originally. Okay. I didn't know Alex or Asta. And I knew he'd joined this band and like, uh, got chatting to him at a show one day and he was like, can you play guitar? And I was like, really badly. And he was like, how badly? And I was like, <laughs> dude, really badly. Like I cannot, like, yeah, I can't yeah. really play guitar. I can play bass, but I can't play guitar. And he was like, oh, that's interesting. It's like, we, we need to find a guitarist for Worst yeah. Witch. And I was like, ah, oh, well, you know, if you wanted to move back to, like, over to guitar, then 
maybe I'd be interested and he was like oh maybe and I I actually felt really bad because I know that he was looking forward to playing bass Bass, because he's been playing guitar for a long time okay and um so I just I felt kind of bad, but <laughs> I, so I kicked him off of uh, off the base. And, Very bad. And moved, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think he chatted to the chatted to the uh, to Alex and Alistair, and they said, yeah, like you know, get her along for practice. And yeah. So I went round Liam's a couple of times, and he taught me a lot of the songs. Um, and then I turned up for my first practice, and really the rest is history. Like we all got on so well. Mm. Like, and I definitely considered like, you know, having kind of white we were winding down fight is a fire and i'd been in a like super feminist kind of riot girl band like with two other amazing women like do i want to be in a band with like three dudes yeah, like, is yeah. that something i actively want in my life like whether they're the nicest dudes or not like you know um but yeah because it's a completely obviously different dynamic yeah it's just different to. dynamic yeah and like um so i just went along to to the practice and we just got on so well yeah. and it's just the best like <laughs> it's just the most supportive bunch of people yeah. they're like three of the most feminist dudes that i have ever known and like this is going to sound really cringy but i think like liam alistair and alex are like they're going to listen to this and absolutely like <laughs> throw up um but like they're like the perfect example of how like um like sexism and misogyny can be unlearned because like they're just they point out stuff that i haven't even noticed they'll be like oh this guy just said this it was really awful you know i can't believe it and they'll call stuff out and i'll be like what what happened like um and they're just super supportive and encouraging like i feel like i've come on with my songwriting so much i guess i joined not really thinking i would do any songwriting i just was looking forward to being in a band and just playing bass and just going with the flow and I wasn't expecting to do any vocals either not at all and then we recorded the EP earlier this year and Alex was like oh yeah so here's the list of songs you're doing vocals on and I was like so what (laughs) (laughs) um I was not expecting that at all and ended up yeah doing doing some backing vocals and then there's a song where I do a section and um and and that's yeah basically i was just really looking forward to being in a heavier band and yeah. with the way that we we write it's a really collaborative process and liam and i really learn in the same way yeah. so that like, we write really well together i mean liam's background is is he's done a lot of solo stuff like okay. his um like acoustic he's got a beautiful voice and um he's a great guitarist yeah yeah so he's doing a solo thing called ravello for quite a long time yeah. but i think uh, he he really wanted to kind of do something heavier as well because yeah. he loves like heavier music. Um, and then he was in like a indie punk band called Block Four for quite okay. a long time. Um, and uh, and yeah, so he kind of comes from that sort of yeah, angle. Yeah. And I don't think as I don't think he's been in any any like heavy bands before. Yeah. Um, but was looking forward to doing like some like posy. We're just like posy hardcore yeah, bands, yeah. you know. And it's just like quite you know some songs are pretty melodic and we've got some db in there and like <laughs> you know uh so yeah it's I, I don't know like and then yeah you know like you know fifi's past yeah. and, and and alex as well um so yeah it's just we just all wanted to do like something nice and posy well because for i guess music wise like it is a sort of quite a removal from what you were doing mm, in fight rose of fight mm. so was that a first quite uh an interesting dynamic for you to sort of not 
sort of message wise but like just purely musically like mm-hmm. going from what you were doing there to what you're now doing because obviously you've got to sort of change up your style of mm-hmm. playing and things so was that quite something that you enjoyed the challenge of yeah definitely I think um it's really proved to me that I can play bass which is nice <laughs> like I was just like fuck I can do this yeah. like I maybe I've learned a lot and I was definitely worried about not being able to play fast enough. Yeah. So I have really small hands, okay? <laughs> like, and I was like, I can't reach these notes fast enough. So that was definitely something I was worried about. And I just, I just have to practice a lot. Like, I, you know, that's what you need to do. Yeah. And, and like, Liam and I are the same. Like, we learn by repetition. So, like, we just practice the same song over and over and over again. Like, one of the, the new song that we're kind of just about finished writing, like, is fast. Yeah. And, and, I wrote that and I've written something that's really challenging for myself um but it's yeah it's proved to me that I I can do it and do you know what it in a lot of ways like I loved being in fighters of fight so much but um it it was super liberating to just play something I just bang my head to (laughs) and just like scream and you know that was just really nice and I've you know I've wanted to I wanted to do it for a long time, mm. but just not really had the opportunity. And like, you know, I'd had um, some practices with some other people of like um, where I was just doing vocals, like in a hardcore band, and and then that kind of like fizzled out. Yeah. Um, and then and then this opportunity came up, and yeah, we're just having the best time. Yeah. We just and we all just like love each other. It's just really cute. <laughs> it's just we all adore each other. And obviously, with Alex being the the front man vocalist whatever you want to call him obviously there's a bit of kind of i don't want to say like fanboy behind him but there's <laughs> yeah, there, there are, is yeah <laughs> so obviously people will know him from fall of forever obviously his just his artwork in yeah. general and sort of he's been in the i didn't realize i'd actually probably met him years ago when he was in Southampton we were probably at the same show yeah yeah we just never realized he's been Um, in so many bands yeah so many so was it kind of weird going into that sort of knowing not knowing who Alex was because I didn't so I didn't I didn't no but I didn't even know like so the only band that I knew of his was Carnist and uh like but I didn't I wouldn't have known him by sight at all like I had no I so there was no like expectation or or anything and like he's just a lovely dude yeah, who yeah. just loves music and loves like expression and loves you know drawing and and all those things like he just loves making art and being creative yeah. and that's what he's really good at um so i think like him bringing he's like the the speed at which he writes lyrics that are super complicated yeah are really is really like an amazing experience like we'll be sitting in the practice space and we're finishing the music and he's there on his laptop just like typing away I know literally when I were at practice and like they're like have you got any lyrics I'm like nope Nope. give me a month like yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. exactly yeah yeah so yeah and he just like bashes it out and it's like this like poetic beauty yeah um because his vocabulary is ridiculous Um, so yeah and yeah so there was no like and it was only a few practices in that I was like god I recognize Alistair's face like I just don't know and then I realized that he had been in Pariso yeah and like I and I fucking loved that band so it was just so that kind of that all came together but there was you know I think we're all just 
really chill with each other and we all have different experiences that bring a lot to it so like for example Liam and I know loads more about the kind of political queer punk DIY scene and and Alistair and Alex know loads more about like you know the heavier side of things and like emo crust scenes and stuff like that so um we all have like different different pools yeah 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 and different contacts and stuff like that which is super helpful um but yeah I honestly like so many people have said um that when they've seen us play Mm. that quite a few people have commented about how happy I look (laughs) like and I'm like they're like you look happy anyway that you look like you're really enjoying yourself and I'm like yeah I am yeah Yeah, I really am I can't help but smile yeah it's fun and obviously the record when's it coming out so what is the date today uh, we are 16th of september so i think we get the records on the 21st uh, okay. of september so there's there was basically a massive delay at the vinyl plant yeah. so we recorded it in like february because i remember it being posted about on Bandcamp, like yeah so it's been up yeah it's yeah. been up like since like yeah early early in the year digitally um and yeah the, but there was a massive delay at the vinyl plant and then so it's Alerta Antifascista records that are yeah. putting it out. And they had a bunch of other records that were going to the plant as well. And they absolutely had to prioritise like yeah, yeah. bands that were playing Flaff, bands that were doing shows over the summer who needed the records first. And we, we weren't doing that. So like, um, so we were like, look, put us to the bottom of the yeah, pile. Yeah, That's yeah. totally fine. But they're actually like, yeah, they're basically done now. And, yeah. and we'll get those real soon. So people should buy it, so obviously. Are you kind of hoping to sort of be... Obviously, I know it's been out, as you say, digitally for a while, but to do sort of tour around it? Or... Yeah, I think um, maybe not necessarily just around the record, but, like, obviously we'll have the records. Yeah. And it'd be nice to go out and do do some shows. Um, we haven't actually got anything planned at the moment, but we, we literally just start, start talking about a kind of autumn wintry kind of tour like maybe a uk tour and i think i think we'll head out to europe next year that's cool um we uh i probably shouldn't say what they are but yeah <laughs> we we've having some conversations about yeah, some shows yeah. in europe next year um so that that will be really good i think yeah we'll get on get on the tour wagon cool um and yeah and i think we've we've just been carrying on writing songs and i think i think you know we'd quite like to do a full length next year yeah. maybe um that would be really nice and I think, I know Liam's really excited because this is the first music he's ever had on vinyl. Like the rest yeah, of us yeah. have all had vinyl press before and he's never had his music <laughs> on vinyl before. So he's really, really excited for that. Um, yeah, so I just just want to play those yeah. shows, basically. And in terms of kind of dynamic-wise, obviously, I know we spoke about this at Fluff, but obviously Alistair's looking to move to, mm. to Bristol, mm. but is currently at the moment in Paul. Alex has now moved to London, mm. and so it's just you and Liam in Bristol. Yeah. So how's that kind of dynamic work, sort of in terms of like writing and practicing yeah. and things? I mean, it's definitely like harder. We see each other less, but um, I mean, Liam lives down the road from me. Oh, okay. So he lives like down the hill, and uh, um, Alistair is still super dedicated to coming to Bristol for practice. Yeah, so, yeah. like the three of us, me, Liam, and Alistair. I mean, we've got practice tomorrow. Yeah. Um, 
um, Alistair was coming up for practice anyway. Okay. And so uh, we, you know, we still practice as a three and like write all the music and stuff. Yeah. And we'll send Alex recordings like, right. pretty regularly and be like, or even just ideas like, oh, I've got this little riff, like this is what, I'm, this is where I think it might be going. Um, and then we'll kind of get together and, and make it into a song. And then as I say, like Alex is just so good at whacking out the lyrics. Like, yeah. He'll just hear it a few times. He'll just, you know, we'll be like, we finished the song you know what do you think you've heard the recordings but let's all get together and we the last few shows we've played in london we have had a practice before so we'll book a space in london so we'll all go down early yeah yeah spend the day doing a a full practice uh, and then play the show which has been really nice it's good to just take advantage of us all being in london together yeah, yeah. yeah um but yeah like yeah definitely the kind of me alistair and liam kind of drive the writing i guess um but but then I mean sometimes you know we'll just be like oh I'm not sure about this breakdown or I'm not this transition between these two bits doesn't quite work and you know Alex is really good at pinpointing like maybe how we could change things yeah. and um and I mean it all sounds different when you get drums behind it like <laughs> yeah. you know me and Liam will come up with something that we think is really cool. And then Alistair just comes in with like ridiculous fills and you're just like, what? That's amazing. Because <laughs> he's just an incredible drummer. Or, you know, one my favourite things uh, in songs like in this band or any other band like music, m- music wise is like just little, just little like timely little stops. Yeah. Like little, just little patches of silence. Um, And so like... I think Alistair likes that as well. Yeah, so yeah. we've got a few little, just little stops, little gaps, and I like that. Um, but yeah, like, you know, uh, they're all really talented musicians. Yeah. And I think they're making me a better musician. Yeah. They're, because they're, like, getting me to challenge myself and to write differently. And, and I think that's really exciting. And, like, yeah, there, there still aren't a lot of women in hardcore. I remember, like, going to hardcore shows when I was younger and... You know, I kind of just stepped back from that scene for a long time, yeah. for like years, um, because like I, I was going, I was going to see bands like Pariso mm. and like um, like uh, Kerouac and, yeah. and like bands like that, and it just felt really, I felt pretty out of place most yeah. of the time, and it's just kind of like I'm gonna just listen to these records at home. Yeah, I remember yeah. going to see Hang the Bastard and like just being like am I like the only girl here? Yeah. Like, that's the kind of weird position to be in. And so I just would listen to the stuff at home and like not necessarily go to hardcore shows anymore. But I like, there's definitely more, it's still a little bit bro-y, but there's definitely more women kind yeah. of in hardcore. And like, you know, like Gal Joy, who you've had on your podcast, yeah. like a uh, lot more kind of female-fronted hardcore bands. And yeah. I think um, it's definitely like the, politicized hardcore um and like feminist hardcore has really been rejuvenated like with bands like gloss and xylitol and 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 gouge away and firewalker and like all those bands that you like see on hate six five i was gonna say like i think in the last sort of year to even sort of six months sort of thing i think like the majority of bands i've been listening to have been either female fronted or have a female in them in yeah, some capacity yeah like you mentioned like firewalker like exit order like one of my favorite bands oh yeah i bloody love exit order um like even from like 
fluff like I haven't stopped listening to that Strath Planet record yeah like it's just like yeah oh my god Waste were definitely oh, one of my favourite bands the so whole good. weekend oh my god my f- I and I was really drunk watching like <laughs> watching them as well and they were just one of the best yeah. bands and just I was really looking forward to seeing Rats in the Wall but then they pulled out yeah. and I was just really annoyed about that but yeah but yeah I think de- there's definitely more kind of women coming through and like I really, I still really want a front hardcore band. So if anyone wants to do that, when I move to Bristol, like, yeah, yeah, let's let's <laughs> do that. Like I really want to just like scream in people's yeah. faces. And <laughs> um, before I sort of wrap things up, the other thing I do want to talk to you about is your very own podcast. Oh, I'm so glad you asked because <laughs> I was like, Bridget's gonna kill me if I don't <laughs> if I don't plug the podcast. So yeah, you and I'd say more of a mutual friend for me yeah. for Bridget because I don't know her that well. But yeah. it's you, you and Bridget. So where did yeah. that kind of idea come from and sort of yeah. what are you hoping to to do because it's still yeah. quite yeah new, it's still quite it? new yeah and i think like we can't necessarily do we try and do one once a month but now we've gone like a month and a half without doing <laughs> one now so it's it's tricky because we're both really busy people it kind of came about because we've both um been involved in like feminist acts of activism and the punk scene for like a long time and we've both like been putting on shows and we met, that's how we met like we met through kind of like trying to like drive feminist DIY punk scene in in Bristol yeah and um she kind of she started Lady DIY Fest in Bristol and and I kind of was like oh I'm gonna get involved with that and, yeah. and kind of met her um basically we were always kind of having these big conversations at shows about politics or feminism mm. or whatever and that crossover of politics and music and feminist feminism and punk really um we we're like we should just record we should record yeah, us having yeah, these conversations because yeah. like we feel like we're just talking about stuff and actually not necessarily doing anything with it and like maybe we should make some plans around like the kind of stuff that we talk about and we both absolutely love music and yeah. the two kind of driving forces in our lives are kind of like feminism and and, and punk so we just decided to like start a podcast and um bridget's a publisher for burning eye books and she runs the podcast for for that publisher so she had all the equipment she knows what she's doing she knows all about the editing like yeah. all that kind of stuff um and i know how to talk so <laughs> don't know if you noticed but um she yeah so then we ended up um i basically get all the food go around to her house we make dinner and, Is it always and chips and beans, though? No, it's not always uh... chips and beans. That came about because we... The name Chips and Beans came about because we had no idea what to call it and we were all drunk in a kebab shop at an all-dayer. Um, I think it was during... It was it was a dead punk. It was a dead punk all-dayer. And we were taking a break and we ran down to the chippy to get yeah. some chips and beans. Nice. And our friend Fishlock was like, you should just call it Chips, chips and, beans. and Beans. And it just stuck. <laughs> I mean... So, yeah, we just kind of talk about... Um, we just got an Instagram, actually. So if anyone wants to follow okay. us on Instagram, Chips and Beans Podcast. Um, and you can find us on, like, SoundCloud. Yeah, and yeah. Those usual I'll, stuff. I'll, usual I'll things. Okay, like. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but, yeah, like, we, we kind of... Uh, we play like DIY music on the on the podcast, which is always kind of like either led by women or trans people or or non-binary people, um, and we talk about kind of 
just the feminist kind of punk crossover, mm. our favourite music of the moment. We talk about the books we're reading at the time, uh, the gigs that we're going to or like the gigs that we're excited about yeah. or the things that have happened that we want to go to. The last couple of episodes, we've talked about sex a lot and I have no idea really how that happened. <laughs> but we we have this suggestion box, anonymous suggestion box, okay. where people can ask us stuff and yeah, ask yeah. us about you know things that they want to hear us talk about. Yeah. And I think someone had written in about uh, like body confidence and like, you know, being a woman in punk and like, I think growing up, like a lot of it was just about the look and I don't, yeah, and maybe yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I don't care about that anymore, but that's probably because I'm 30. Yeah. But you know, um, a lot of us just wanted to look like Brodie Dahl and like yeah, a lot of yeah. us don't look like Brodie Dahl. And so I think like we ended up talking about that and, and then we ended up just talking about sex. But I think <laughs> like people, people, often comment and say like oh I'm really glad you talked about this thing yeah, like, it's yeah. really good to hear two women talk about whatever or you know it's t- good to just hear two women talking about punk yeah and like in a you know in a really kind of I hope I hope genuine and authentic way and we love to like uh, preview bands and like yeah. we interview people in a similar way to you, do, to you as well and uh yeah, it's just, it's a really nice, it's nice to have that space yeah. and to just like talk about music and talk about queer stuff and whatever. So it's just, yeah, it's good. Cool. It's good. So thanks for letting me plug That's it. That's all right. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> um, how I like to end things is to ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a twist. So what is your favourite West Witch song that you like to play live? Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, there are a few, but... My my okay my consistent my consistent one is incomprehension which is like what even is it about it's about it's kind of about like um being yourself and like being able to comprehend a space where like who you are and who you love is like just a really powerful thing yeah. and I just it's got really some really groovy parts and some really good gang vocals. Nice. And I love gang vocals. <laughs> so I just, playing it live is just, it's got some nice bass parts and it's quite bass driven that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe that's why I, that's why I like it. Um, and it actually, what maybe one of the reasons I like it is because it was the first song that we wrote together after I joined right, so okay. all of the songs up until that point had be, been I hadn't had a part in yeah yeah so this this was like a riff written by me and a riff written by Liam yeah that we pulled together and made out made a cool. song yeah yeah and uh yeah maybe that's maybe that's why I've got a soft spot for it <laughs> but I love that song perfect Cassie thank you very much thanks so much Tim lovely So there we have it, folks. Thanks again to Cassie for taking some time out of her day to have a little chat with me. Uh, as always, you can keep up to date with what uh, West Witch are doing on social media. I think they're only really actually on uh, Facebook, but I'll put the link in, as always, in the description of this podcast. And also, as mentioned sort of towards the end of the chat with Cassie, um, she also hosts a podcast herself with a mutual friend of ours, Bridget Hart. Uh, the podcast is called Chips and Beans. Um, which I would really recommend everyone check out. It's one of the ones I regularly subscribe to, not just because they're pals, because it's a fucking good podcast. Um, But yeah, all the relevant links for that will also be in the description of this podcast. Um, Whilst I'm on a kind of a a self-pluggy note, 
Some of you may or may not know I've dipped my toe into the world of photography. I'm by no means a professional, but I'm trying to get a little bit better, trying to build a bit more of a portfolio, specifically around the world of music, because obviously that is what I am heavily involved in. Um, skateboarding as well, just but that's more just personal interest. Um, but yeah, this is kind of me putting a shout out there. If there's if you're in a band or if you know anyone in a band that wants any promo shots taken, um, then please drop us a message uh, at just underscore and underscore insight at hotmail.co.uk uh, or we're on the all the usual social media platforms. Or if you know me directly, just drop me a message, give us a shout, and we'll see if we can sort something out. As I say, just trying to build a portfolio at the moment, not charging massively if anything at all. Um, so yeah, plugging myself something i'm learning to do more um but yeah so that's it for this week everyone um as always thank you again for stopping by the justin insight podcast and i'll see you soon <laughs>